God, thanks and praise for people in our midst who help the worship experience really, really connect in, in our lives. Uh, and I, I, I get to do the role that I get to do, and I really enjoy doing it. But I, if I weren't doing this, that's the spot I would want to be. And I, I did find in uh, incredible joy watching people that are usually behind the camera get in front of the camera for a little bit. And it's not that easy on each side of that. Well, I am thrilled that we get to walk into the Word of God today. And just an invitation before we go to John chapter 13 before we go to Titus chapter 1 to find a Bible about you near you maybe you brought it maybe it's on your phone uh, but to just say we've we've got these in the back you can you can scurry back there and go grab one of these if you need one for today or to take one home and for what it's worth a couple years ago we went you know what we we really think that the Bible is a priority and and so we ceased channeling a Dutch aspect in us. We stopped buying the cheapest Bibles you could find. We, we didn't buy the cheapies. We went and got, but they're not that expensive, but, but they're, they're really good Bibles. So we wanted to make sure we said, hey, this is, this is something that we place a priority on so, uh, so the, the, you Dutch folks can still be happy. It's, it's, it's a good quality at a good price. That's what, that's what it is. But we're gonna open up God's word today. And as we jump into it, you're... You're synced up for this. You're going to get it. We're going into a new series, but, but you're going to go, oh, yeah, I, I, I get that. I, I know that. But I guarantee you the Holy Spirit will speak something to you. And even though you get it, it's going to be very challenging uh, for each of us. So let's open up John chapter 13. And Jesus is the master of ceremonies at the Last Supper. When he had finished washing their feet... He put on his outer clothing and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? Ask them. That's the 12 disciples. You call me teacher and Lord. And rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your teacher and Lord, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you that no servant is greater than their master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who is sent. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Lord God, we thank you that you're in this place, you're in this space. We thank you for the example. We thank you for the blessing. Lord, continue to speak into our lives in this moment so that we go out looking more like you. In your name, amen. Well, I believe that that's what's going to happen. We're going to catch Jesus' example, and we're going to go, and we're going to live this out. This foot-washing dynamic is intended to be incredibly formative. And, and, and in my life, it, it was formative as well. And I, I wind up thinking about the times that it has come my way. And one of the Occasions where foot washing came my way was family mission trips. If you've been on one of these, you, you understand. And so here's the scenario. You've been working through the week. You've been doing a variety of things. But on the last night, and, and family's kind of like your family that you often live with, but it's also brothers and sisters in Christ. It's church family. So however you kind of circle up, you circle up in groups as, as family in that moment. And the one thing that I've noticed... Uh, well, before I share that, and th those who are navigating it, they know what to do. They bring out these huge bins of warm, soapy water and, and rags. They've, they've got all the little logistics figured out. They're going to give you plenty of time and space, and you're going to commence to washing someone's feet. And here's what I've noticed. The strongest, toughest dudes 
in that moment, their, their shoulders start shaking, and uh, and and uh, and and they they begin they become just just incredibly. You notice they're wet. They're not necessarily audibly out loud, but you just think, wow, that's not sweat. That's just tears. And you notice big strong Chris. You notice big strong Rick are just just shaking as they're washing the feet of their teenage daughters, and they're telling them how important they are, and how you mean so much to me, and I want to serve you. And just something happens when we take the posture of serving. It's an example to do, and it's blessed when you do so. Uh, I've been in some, as, as pastor, I've been in some weddings where people wash one another's feet, and it always just, wow, it, it hits me. And I will tell you, if you ever, if you choose to do that, or if you see somebody do it, the disciples are only wearing sandals. When, when we dress up now, it's socks and sandals. So, so it's socks and whatever else. Like, it, it, put on your patient pants. It takes a while to do the foot washing. You're like, get that back, get that sock back on, and, and all that stuff. Now, when I was in seminary, my favorite professor, Dr. Thompson, concocted a moment where he fed, it was actually a dozen of us in this class, these large uh, rolls, buttered, oh, delicious, big glasses of grape juice, and we just talked and fellowshiped and shared that communion kind of moment. And then in the middle of it, he gets up and he shines someone's shoe. And, and he, he encouraged us to do the same. I wound up shining a fellow's shoe by the name of Louie. And in that time, I thought very symbolically, oh, I'm learning how to be a servant. Well, I wound up actually literally being called upon by Louie through my seminary years to take him on rides when he needed to get certain places and it was just joy beyond joy. And I go, wow. It's really beginning to, to hit home. So I then think, now it's my turn to bring the foot washing, shoe shining kind of dynamic into a group set. So when, as I was a young pastor, I did this at a board meeting. And I took, I had a shoe shining kit. I had brown shoe shine and black shoe shine. I just, you know, was ready for whatever came along. I looked the group over, and one individual was wearing dress shoes. The others were more casually uh, put together in that moment, so it was Kevin. Kevin the treasurer. Go, Kevin, I'm going to model being a servant, man. I'm going to shine your shoes. And I commenced to shine in his brown, light brown shoe. And uh, as a young pastor, I was not aware of what swayed is. I still don't know if I know what suede is, but I'm shining that suede up, and it's not shining as much as it's just turning, you know? It's becoming this darker shade. And so one of the wise board members around goes, uh, Jim, I don't think you shine suede. And and I go, oh, wow. We just tried. No, no, it, it was totally changed. So we pondered the situation. We'd assembled a group of wise individuals on the board. We decided we, we just shine Kevin's other shoe. He walked out with two dark brown suede shoes instead of lightly colored suede shoes. I think about that moment. The real servant was Kevin, uh, <laughs> who, uh, who never held a grudge and was never bitter and, and still continues to wear those shoes. Uh, we've conversed uh, since then. Uh, so we dive into Titus. And, and here's what we're going to get. We are going to do what is called a biographical study. The spiritual fuel of servanthood is intended to energize our lives. Jesus says, this is my example to you, and now you're going to go out and you're going to do likewise. You're going to be blessed if you live into this model of servanthood. And this is the theme, one of the themes that runs through Titus. So Paul says to Titus, my true son in our common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. And then it goes on to say, the reason I left you in Crete, we're going to hit that, 
was that you might straighten out what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town. The reason I left you in Crete. It's really interesting. We just finished a study in Corinthians that we did for a couple of months. And the two places that Titus winds up that we know that, oh, he was there. He had real significant time in those places. One was Corinth in about 54, 55, and the other was Crete in about 64 and, and well beyond. He was in Crete for a long, long time. Um, let's let's, let's kind of revisit that Corinth piece a bit. You couldn't find two more opposite kind of settings. So when Titus went to Crete, if we can go to that map so they can look at that map while we're talking about Crete, for uh, Paul saying, now when I went into Macedonia, we had no rest, we're harassed, there are all kinds of conflicts and fears, but God who comforts the downcast, God comforts us by sending us Titus. And not only by Titus showing up, but it was because of the message that he had brought because of the comfort that you Corinthians had given to them. He, he told us about your longing for us and your deep sorrow, your ardent concern, so that our joy was greater than ever. So there was this kind of contemptuous relationship that Paul and the Corinthians had together that he was laying down some things that they needed to get a hold of. And at first they were going, I don't know about all this stuff. So Titus goes to visit and Titus sees a change in their attitude. He sees a repentant spirit go on. And then Paul writes 2 Corinthians. Now, if we were to say what kind of community is Corinth, oh, they had the bucks and uh, they had the shenanigans. So think of a wealthy city that does a lot of shenanigans, and our best take on it is it's Vegas, baby, Vegas. It's, 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 it's Corinth. It's, it's, it's a kind of a hoity-toity, glitzy sort of place. Now, we're really studying the book of Titus that Paul has written to him, and we find that Paul left him in Crete. What's Crete like? It is what my daughters call Boontucky. My daughters, it is as backwoodsy as you can get. Uh, it's, it's like, this is, that's the Moonshiners Club in Crete, and over in Corinth, it's the Wine Tasting Society. It's, it's these really varying kinds of places, and our man Titus gets sent to both of them. Wow. Wow. Uh, in fact, what, what, what we know about Crete a little bit, Paul references, one of, one of the Cretan philosophers has said this as he comes out of Crete, kind of was surprised. Ah, Cretans are always a bunch of liars. They're evil brutes and lazy gluttons. Just kind of bring on, just, 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 just bring it on. Just gluttony and drinking and, oh, you know, who cares and all that stuff. Um, very opposite places. All right. Here's, here's what we're going to do. This is for the notes. This is how we're going to do notes today. We're going to write it up here. We're going to draw spiritual feel. Have you ever mixed feel in an engine? This is, this is the spiritual feel mix of servanthood. And the first dynamic that we see that is going on in the life of Titus is he shows up. He will show up to the hoity-toity crowd that's kind of filled with drama that you go, ugh, you're so full of yourselves. He'll show up to, he'll show up to the backwoodsy 
Cretans, you a bunch of Cretans as far as that goes. Uh, all right, I've got, this is, this is a serve towel. I'm gonna start tossing out serve towels here. I don't know where this is going, but it's going to this section. So we'll just see where it goes. It's a serve towel. That is a phenomenal catch, by the way. That is just a phenomenal catch. I, I, I love it because it's a serve towel. People are gonna go, I don't want a serve towel. It's like, I'm sorry, it's a serve towel. We're throwing out serve towels. If there was ever a day for a t-shirt cannon, it's today. But we're talking, it's not a t-shirt, it's a serve towel. All right, uh, there are moments and times in my home where I find myself, my, myself full on the floor, just full on the floor, and my gaze is strongly directed under the sofa searching for a stupid yellow tennis ball. And then I ask, why am I here? And I look over and I see the fuzzy face of my expectant dog, Kipton, who wants that ball. Can you get the ball to me? Come on, to me. I want to play. I want to get the ball. Got to have the ball. Got to have the ball. And he's just like, all right, I'm going to reach. I'm going to get down here low and do this for the dog and do it for the family. And it began to dawn on me. There are times that we ask ourselves, why am I here? And the physical posture of why am I here often is asked when we're trying to get the critter out from under the deck, when we're, tr when we're cleaning the bathroom floors, when we're under the sink, when we're under the home. I mean, physically, oftentimes, we, when we're under the automobile, when we're, you know, whatever's like, why am I here? There is something about the lowly position that we don't know if we want to be there. And then I began to think of basketball days. I don't, I, I try not to do too many athletic illustrations, but this just lent itself to it that when you learn how to play defense in basketball, you have to be low. And coaches will even sit you on a wall 30 seconds, a minute, 90 seconds, two minutes, and you're training yourself to be low so you can move quickly when you need to move quickly physically, but oftentimes spiritually, we need to move quickly spiritually as well. And we're able to move when we're down here, or we just need to be sturdy and hold our ground in those moments. And we get low, we practice being low. Philippians 2 have the same attitude the attitude of Jesus Christ, who, although he was God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he lowered himself, taking on the very nature of a servant, and he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, and that God would exalt and God would raise him, that at the name of Jesus, every knee bows, every tongue confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord. We're doing that today. There's this sense ah, that we just... that if we take the posture of a servant, we so get tired of it and wonder why we're here. There's times that we just practice it just because it's time to be practiced. And we just need to be ready for the moments that God really calls us into serving. And don't worry about lifting yourself. God will lift you up. God humbles the proud and God uplifts those who are humble. There's some other places that we're very aware that Titus went. And he never winds up being this huge main character in the New Testament, but so significant. So the name Titus kind of refers that he's got this Greek origin, this Greek heritage. And so we, we see that. If we can go to the map of all Titus's locations, that would be great right now. Uh, he's mentioned in the book of Galatians. Now he's mentioned in that setting 
in regards to some trips that he's made to Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, he's avoiding some elective surgery and he's taking them an offering. Well, we're going to get to that in just a little bit. Uh, probably he was in Ephesus. That's where the letter of 1 Corinthians was written. And he was probably in Macedonia. That's where the letter of 2 Corinthians was written. He delivered that. I, I'm thinking that he might have visited Paul in Rome at some time, although it doesn't say. We just put Rome up there in case he did that. But Paul was hoping that he might come to him at Rome in some time. But he was... Uh, at that time, it mentions he was off in Dalmatia on, on, on a trip, on a journey there. But uh, Titus has spent most of his life uh, in his ministry in Crete. And oh, I just have to say, friends, I think maybe my one, my one, uh, Dalmatia is where Croatia is now. Don't you just wish that Paul would have written a letter to the church in Dalmatia? Oh my goodness. <laughs> How phenomenal would that be? And, and just think, there could have been 101 chapters. And you go, turn to the book of 101 Dalmatians. I like, but why, God, why? I just, <laughs> I've never had that. I have deep lament. There's not a letter to the church of Dalmatia, but alas, uh, on we go. So spiritual fuel, mix number two, the, the second ingredient. Uh, we go back to verse five. The reason I left you in Crete, so there's this show up thing, you're in Crete, was that you might straighten out what was left unfinished. So we kind of get an inkling of what that was, but what is really left unfinished? We go to verse one in chapter two, but as for you, teach what is in accord with sound doctrine. So we're going to put sound doctrine over here. He's supposed to show up and this is supposed to be a big part of what Titus is up to. Word of God. I, I love you all. We, we need to be good with this. I mean, I mean, um, We love one another whether somebody is really biblically got their chops going or not. But wherever you're at right now, this is the thing to dive into. God has Holy Spirit agent wisdom for your, your modern times and your modern life. And no, the public schools aren't going to teach it. That's cool. Church will do it. We'll step up and do this. So it's really, really good that you're here. I mean, this is a moment that I, I trust and hope and believe we're walking through sound doctrine. Jump in a Bible study group, a guy's group or a gal's group or one of those. We, I mean, these elective fall, these fall classes are somewhat new. It's like we, we're doing that for reason and for intentionality. Jump on podcasts. Jump to the Bible Project podcast and listen. Don't be afraid to get into belong in a group that is opening this up and sharing and caring for one another and just developing the word of God in your midst that you're biblically literate and not illiterate. And we're going to place up here some of the elements if, if this happens to be missing and what really is sound doctrine and all that. But the Corinthians and the Cretans did not have a high care capacity culture. Titus was sent in there to help instill that within them. They're blinded by their cultural norms, which was just, you know, have a party, drink more, yeah, whatevs. That's kind of the Cretan culture. This is not Titus's first rodeo with doctrinal issues, by the way, because when we get into the book of Galatians, it's chapter two, verse one. Paul says, after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. He also takes Titus. That's our man, Titus. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, he's a Greek dude, was compelled to be circumcised 
even though he is Greek. And so there was this doctrinal issue in the early church. If you were a Gentile person and you put your faith and trust in Jesus, do you need to follow the Old Testament sign of the covenant people and become circumcised? And the church has decided that was an optional thing, but, but the Galatians were really still pressing into that, and, and Titus shows up. And, and some of the Galatians go, hey, that looks like, that looks like a Greek feller over there. Hey, uh, hey, uh, hey, Titus. Hey, Mr. Greek feller. I got, I got my friend Eddie the Moyle over here, and I think we can, uh, can handle that elective surgery that you spiritually need. And, and Paul would say, hey, it's a circumcision of the heart thing, man. It is, it is not necessarily a physical thing. If that's something to, to, that, that he wants to do to be engaged with the Hebrew, that's, that's totally optional. And so Titus has navigated some of these doctrinal waters in a very personal kind of way. And so here's the question. When you get called to serve, when you get called to serve and there's some complexities to it, do you say, yay, God, or do you dance madly backwards? Because when we're called to serve, there are some awkward moments. <laughs> Think of Titus. He, he goes to Macedonia. He collects this big offering that's going to go to the church in Jerusalem, which is struggling at this time. He goes to Corinth, delivers the letter to Corinth, reads to them this letter, and, and he's reminding them that you had intended to give to this offering, and you kind of forgot, so how about you give the offering? He travels around, and he receives this offering. The last time he was in uh, uh, Jerusalem, and, that, and, the, and there's a crowd there that says, oh my goodness, that, 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 that they wanted to... Um, to, to have elective surgery that Titus says, I want no part of that. And now he returns and God is lifting him and he's bringing this love offering to them to the place where there was maybe some emotional awkwardness or baggage. He returns and is this incredible blessing. God is lifting him up. When you get low, God lifts you up. Would, would you just say that? We, we're gonna take a little time to say that. When you get low, God lifts you up. Here we go. When you get low, God lifts you up. Here's some doctrinal classics, if you want. What, what, is, what, is, what does pastor mean by doctrine? Uh, we'll do S words. Stewardship, it all belongs to God. Your time, your talent, your treasure, and there's different ways that gets played out with each of those. But everything that you have, it honestly belongs to God. And so how you handle your time, how you handle the gifts, your, and then there's your spiritual gifts, that really matters. How you handle your finances, it really matters. And the Word of God will speak into that. Sabbath, that there is such a thing that we understand that, that we are co-creators, that God has partnered with us, that we're in relationship, that we're royal priesthood. There's this great calling of work in our life. But after six days in the seventh, we stop creating we stop trying to make it better. And we just revel in the completeness of what God has done. We just enjoy being in the presence of God and we stop creating. Our life is not built on the things that we build. It's built on our relationship with the Lord God Almighty. Um, suffering. Some of us get really wigged out that there's sad things and there's suffering on this side of eternity. And if you long for another world, it means, as Chandler referenced uh, just a few weeks ago, that you were made for another world. And to get, to get okay with the fact that there's suffering on this side of eternity because we are not in God's final paradise kingdom yet. 
Those are some of the things that you're going to get right and you're going to get straight when you show up and you have sound doctrine. Now, we're going to, oh, I got it. I got to throw out a sound. I got it. You ready? I'm just, just coming out there. Okay, let's see if I can get it there. I kind of met. Woo, there we go. I just sort of threw it over a few heads and it goes, here. There we go. They're, they're talking about who, who gets it. So if, if you need one, I've got more up here later. Okay. So they, people want the serve towel. I didn't know. I thought it was going to be kind of like, like that. Um, the reason I left you in Crete was you might straighten out what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town. You're going to include others. We're going to share opportunities. And then there's this big description of the type of person this is all about. An elder must be faithful to their spouse, a person whose children believe are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer manages God's household, they must not be overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, disciplined, hold firmly to things that are trustworthy, things that have been taught so that they can encourage others with sound doctrine. And the thing that Titus is told to do this in Crete, and Titus is compelled to do this in Corinth, This means that he's going to, that their lives are going to be so formed through the serving mindset and declaration that they're going to become more and more like this. They are modeled and they are asked to show up. Let me toss another one out. I don't know where it's going. It's coming over here somewhere. There we go. And... That is a nice catch, Rory. That is just a phenomenal catch right there. You kind of call the guy, guy out of my way. I got it. Um, is there one of these mixes? This is the heart of a servant right here when all three are operating. So, so let's ask a couple questions. What, what if one's missing? What if I got two but maybe I don't have the third one. What if I show up and share opportunities, but I don't really have sound doctrine? And so we're going to submit, you know, it's kind of random. It's kind of nice. I don't really know why. It was, eh, it's kind of, you know, sort of encouraging, but it lacks some depth to it. There's, there's random dynamics there. What if I don't really show up personally, but I'm all about helping, you know, sound doctrine and sharing opportunities. I, I really kind of get that you're kind of a, the word is a pundit. If I can put that there. You know, I just, you know, I kind of really encourage others, but I'm a little, little back. And what if I show up and have sound doctrine, but I really don't, ah, I don't really include others. It's more of a solo act where we're intended to be part of the choir and part of the ensemble. And sometimes our voice may just ring out, but we're really intended to participate with, with, other, with other people. And there's a sense that if something's missing, there's a little bit, people, feel, people will feel that miss when we're called to serve. Let's, let's do this for just a moment. What if, what if I only have one of these going on? And then it could be a little, what if I, there's, there's Timmy, he just keeps showing up. <laughs> it could be a little needy. There's, there's Tommy, and Tommy just keeps telling other people what to do. It could be a little bossy. Uh, Here's Jimmy, and, and Jimmy, you know, did I spell that right? I don't know. Um, J J Jim, Jimmy thinks, J Jimmy knows everything, but very doesn't really care about other people. And I put hypocrisy in quotes there a little bit, because 
Because in the, God, in the book of James, it would say, wow, if you encounter someone and you just, you just hey, stay warm, well-fed, don't really care about them. Like, even the demons believe in shudder. The letter to the church in Ephesus in the book of Revelation, they had great doctrine. Oh, they died there. They're like, we're really smart. But they didn't care about people. And Jesus said, you lost your first love. Watch out from the heights that you've fallen. You're smart, but you're not caring about other people. And so we could go to those places. So Terry and I found a, a, a restaurant this summer that we had never gone to before, and we kind of like it. And, and uh, the food's good. I'm not going to necessarily say the restaurant. Um, and, and it's kind of close to one of her buddy's houses. And, and we like her buddy. Her buddy lives in a really nice house in a really nice neighborhood. And I said, hey, do you think your buddy and her family, do, do, they, do they come to this restaurant? And Terry says, no, this place is too sticky. <laughs> I said, what, what do you mean too sticky? Well, stuff's on the floor. The table's a little sticky. The food's good, but I don't think my friend would come here. My wife grew up in Montana. She will eat any kind of good food no matter how sticky the place is. You know, that's like, that's like Crete, baby. And, uh, and, and her friend, I'll just go, lives in Hudsonville. And, and Hudsonville in one of those cool neighborhoods, you know, it's like, it's part of the wine tasting society. It's just, I, I, just want you, I just want you to know, God is going to take you places and you need to show up with the heart of a servant. And you may like it sticky, <laughs> or you might like it hoity-toity. But when the towel gets dropped, and Jesus says, this is an example for you. You will be blessed if you do this. What is the Spirit speaking right now? In the spiritual feel of servanthood, do you need to add in the mix of showing up, of sharing, of sound doctrine? Would you stand to your feet? And we're gonna pray together. What does it mean to wash feet? What does it mean to serve? Well, we've been served by the Lord God Almighty who sent his son, Jesus Christ, who gave his very life who suffered on our behalf. And so we're gonna pray in such a way, in a capacity that we're gonna own again together the fact that Jesus has served us by dying and rising again and being the son of God and just declare that, that, that we're a child of God. And maybe today you wanna really declare that and you've never declared it. So we'll just do it together so you can do it with brothers and sisters in Christ. And that'll be the front end of this prayer. And on the back end of this prayer, we're just going to say that we want to serve. So that gives room for God to do in each of our lives whatever it is that God needs to do in this moment. So I'm going to ask if you repeat what you hear from this, from this spot. This is going to begin with Lord God Almighty. Would you repeat, Lord God Almighty. We come to you and thank you for Jesus Christ. Give it, give it strong, friends. Who died on the cross for my sin and rose again from the dead. Forgive me of my sins. I want to follow you. Thank you that I'm a child of God. 
Help me to be a servant for the living God. May I show up where I need to show up. May I have sound doctrine for others. May I share opportunities for the glory of God. Thank you for what you do, Lord God Almighty. In Jesus' name, amen.